Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's at the 30. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. Now he runs the opposite way. He runs at the 50. He runs at the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20, they're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms, bare-chested. Somebody stop Look that out. man. Here comes the blue coat, Oh, Kevin. they got him. Here comes they're coming the blue from the coat. left. Oh, and they tackle him at the 40-yard line. Oh. That was the most exciting thing to happen tonight. I tell you what, that was a great call on your part. <laughs> that was a great call. All right, I'm ready for the last 11.31 now, Kevin. Let's go. Look at the police. They've surrounded this man like he is... <laughs> like, he, like he's just robbed a bank. I tell you what, he got a whole lap in he before did, yes. they got him. I mean, that was, that was pretty good. I expected him to go down much sooner. Yeah. But... Uh... I hope it was worth it, my friend, because you've got a night in the clink coming out. Oh, what a call. Uh, that was Kevin Harlan and Kurt Warner on Westwood One Radio for the Monday Night Football. Uh, this is a show. This is one of the off-sode or off-episode, uh, three and a half. It's September 17th, almost 11 o'clock here Pacific Time. My name is BK. Uh, so it's... This is an off episode, so this is going off from the regular programming we have here. So um, we're gonna, I think we're gonna talk about more about sports. So uh, that led into it. So that was a bore of a game on Monday against the uh, LA Rams. It sounds weird saying it against the 49ers on Monday night. That was a pretty boring game. And by the way, there wasn't not a drunk man that ran on the field, uh, in San Francisco, uh, Monday night. That that was a 16 year old kid. Uh, <laughs> he wasn't drunk. He was there to do it, and then he did it on the spot. Uh, and he's he had a phone number on his stomach when he took his shirt off uh, when he ran around. But um, anyways, that's been did an article on him. They actually called the guy because he had a he had the phone number on there. So what do you expect? So he's banned for the year from the Santa Clara Levi Stadium. Uh, not a bad place to get banned from. It's not like it's an awesome stadium. Like I egged on it before. Uh, but that wasn't the first on-field run-in that somebody had that's not a player or uh, an entertainer. Uh, th that exact same night, I don't know if you heard, uh, Ryan Lockety uh, was, I don't know, attacked. He wasn't attacked. Was he staffed like he was in Brazil? You know, uh, someone ran onto the Dancing with the Stars <laughs> studio when Ryan Lockety was getting uh, I guess, uh, judged. Two people jumped in with the anti-Lockety uh you know, shirt, and then security tackled them. And also, there was another incident in Baltimore yesterday. Uh, somebody ran on the field, and security tried to tackle, and the guy uh, security actually got hurt. He, the security guy's leg went 90 degrees. So, bad week for run-ins. Um, please don't run onto the field, you know. And I know TV stations and the broadcast, you know, they try to cover that these days. But, you know, we live in the age of Twitter and Vine. You know, I, yeah, someone else is going to record it. And you know what? That was a great play-by-play. -play. Uh, Kevin Harlan, one of my favorite play-by-play uh, -play folks of all time. Um, so, yeah, that's going to lead us into the football this week. So I want to talk about the uh, college football that happened tonight. Uh, a lot very exciting and lopsided uh, games uh, tonight and yesterday in college. I'm not going to talk NFL. Maybe I'll make fun of the Seahawks because I live in Seattle. And then um, I want to talk about the Blue Jays because I know um, I'm a Blue Jays fan. I'm from Toronto. 
but uh, that they're in a bit of an interesting race. So um, let's get to it. Um, college football tonight. Uh, wow, a lot of you well, know, especially in Big Ten, uh, weird upset ish, you know, scares that happen. You know, earlier today, Georgia State, Georgia Southern. I can't remember which one. One of the Georgia schools, smaller ones, was facing Wisconsin. You know, Wisconsin. I said they looked good two weeks ago when they beat LSU. Watch out, Wisconsin, uh, watch out for Wisconsin, you know, Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio. But uh, they almost lost, but uh, they held them down. And also the uh, another game, Michigan versus Colorado, which uh, I had no, I had no favorite going into this. I'll be honest, because uh, if you heard my episode before, you know, I'm an alumnus of both schools, so uh, may the best school win. And Colorado brought it to the big house tonight, which is a, uh, which was unexpected. But um, yeah, I think the l- line going into the game was Michigan by eighteen and a half, and they won forty-five to twenty-seven. So they didn't they didn't cover the spread. But um, Michigan was down twenty-one to seven at one point, and Colorado started with a bang, like fourteen nothing in the first five minutes, which was ridiculous. Um, and you know what? It, it, it proved my suspicion about Michigan. As the uh, pl- possible college football playoff team, I I, I really don't. I, I I was very suspect suspect on offense, and then the it was a very defensive affair and the special teams in this one. But uh, yeah, and uh, the Colorado quarterback Lufau looked really good. I it, I thought he was a uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, like you know going. Going very aggressive on one one on one coverage, you know, one one on one matchups. Just throw it, throw it long, and then hope for the best for your tall receivers out there. And he did that when he was in the game, and he also moved his feet and gave Michigan defense a hard time. And for Michigan offensive line, Colorado defense defensive line completely outplayed them. They were ready, a lot of blitzes, and you know, Colorado was a uh, tired and depleted when Lufau went out of the game. You know, gave the, when Lufa was in the game, he could give a fighting chance, but he hurt his ankle in one of the plays in third quarter. So uh, it made the game exciting. But um, I, 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 I'm proud of the way the Buffaloes played. I don't, I think the Buffalo fans should, you know, hold their heads high and you know look forward to the Pac-12 play going into next week against Oregon because I don't think Oregon is a good team. I think even the Huskies are going to beat the Oregon this year. You know, so. Speaking of Oregon, they lost in Nebraska today, and they didn't kick an extra point the entire game. Yeah, they they lost by three points, thirty-five to thirty-two to Nebraska. So it was it was a I guess a proxy Oregon State versus Oregon. You know, Mike Riley, head coach of Nebraska. If you didn't know, he used to coach Oregon State for a very long, long time, and he he had some won against Oregon in seven matches or something. So good redemption for him and Nebraska, but uh, Oregon looked really terrible out there. And I don't know why they didn't kick an extra point. They didn't kick the extra point three times, and that that turned out to be the difference. And the last play of the game for Oregon, I saw, I caught the end of it after the Colorado Michigan game. Ah, I, I I don't know what they're trying to do there. They, they it was fourth and twenty, and the guy ran two yards with thirty seconds left on the clock. I don't know what they were thinking. Uh, the other almost upset that happened was Alabama against uh, Mississippi, Ole Miss. Uh, third year in a row, Ole Miss gave a hard time, and they almost pulled one off. But uh, Ole Miss got lucky on one of the calls that should have been a touchdown, which Gary Danielson on CBS was mad. They, they whiffed it. Referees whiffed it. You know, there was a blatant 
illegal block in the back and uh, one of the interceptions uh, Ole Miss had going into the halftime. But um, Alabama came back and then they beat Ole Miss 47 to 41, if I remember right. You know, uh, they were down 21 to 7 in the game. So good for Alabama. But uh, ranked teams don't look as strong. Um, well, the other up big upset that happened earlier in the beginning of the day was the, uh, Louisville against Florida State. Louisville was what, 11? Florida State was 2. Who barely got past Ole Miss the first game? They got killed 60 to 23. 60 to 23. And Lamar Jackson, that guy, Michael Vick said he's fi- Lamar is five times faster as uh, Vick was when he was in college. Whew, he looks like a sure Heisman contender right now. And I, I expect Louisville to be in top five by tomorrow's poll. Um, and Florida State, they're going to be out of it. Maybe, maybe they're going to be 20. And another. High-profile matchup tonight was uh, Oklahoma versus Ohio. The fuck, guys? Um, I didn't think Oklahoma was a good team when they lost to Houston. I don't, I don't understand why they were number three to begin with in the beginning of the season. I, you know, and Baker Mayfield, the quarterback on Oklahoma, he didn't look that good. He's a transfer from Texas Tech. By the way, why, why are Tech Big Twelve quarterbacks going around between schools transferring to each other? That guy, Trevor Knight, used to be in Oklahoma, and now he's on Texas A&M. Baker Mayfield used to be on Texas Tech. Now he's on Oklahoma. I don't know what's going on. I don't know who the quarterbacks are in that league. They're, none of them are going to make the NFL anyway. So, you know. Um, but Mayfield looked bad. Oklahoma defense looked terrible. And Ohio just came to play. I know they gave up some uh, they, gave up, they gave up some points, but it was like, what, 47, 28 at the end? Ah, Oklahoma looked look bad. I think they're going to be out of the ranking. I know they lost to a number three team in the country but ohio looked really good jt barrett and that offense and watching that team play manhandle oklahoma like that i don't know how michigan's gonna handle them and another team in big 10 uh michigan state played the Notre Dame fighting irish in north bend indiana uh michigan state won and Notre Dame lost another competitive match no no the score Score would say, you know, it's a pretty close game, like 36 to 33 or 30 or something, 28. But it wasn't, it wasn't that close. Michigan State just outplayed them. You know, uh, at the halftime, it was 15 to 8. It looked close in the beginning. It was like 8-7 at one point in one of those old-time football. But Michigan State is too good. I, I really think Michigan State is like Stanford of Big Ten. And, you know, a lot of fundamentals, good defense. You know, a good running game, safe passing plays. It's a really well-rounded team, and I, I really look forward to them playing the Ohio's uh, this season. And I, watching them, I really don't know how Michigan's going to do against them, especially against the defense. The offense is uh, the offensive line can get outplayed. If they can get outplayed by Colorado defensive line like they did today, how are they going to? How are they going to expect to protect the quarterback against? Ohio's and the Michigan States here, huh? I, I I don't get it. I I you know I think Michigan was served the humble pie tonight. So you know they got a lot of tape watching to do. And Colorado, I hope this is a confidence builder and quarterback. I hope he's fine and plays the next game and going into the conference play. I really really think Colorado's in the right path and they found the quarterback. They always gotta have a Hawaiian quarterback, right? Last time they won the national championship, they had a Hawaiian quarterback. Yeah, it's a good riddance thing they got going so go buffs go blue you know wish all the best um oh the other game usc versus stanford and palo alto tonight uh stanford won not a surprise uh 
people were really high on USC, but I don't think USC is there yet. Uh, they're a young team, and you know Stanford looks really good once again. I think they're gonna win the Pac-12 North Division. So I don't think Oregon is gonna challenge. I think Huskies are gonna challenge them this year. So I'm really looking forward to Stanford versus Washington this year. And Washington destroyed the what was the school? Portland State. They haven't played anybody. Uh, well, either than Rutgers, but you know Rutgers are Rutgers. So uh, let's see how Washington Huskies do too. The local team over here in Seattle. Uh, you know, a lot of Husky fans are excited, and I'm kind of excited too. They're they're playing good fundamental football, but let's see how they do against a very competitive teams. Uh, was there any other game? Yeah, there was actually one game that is now wasn't for a competitive purpose, but more on a political, socio, society, societal. I don't know. That's the right word. Purpose. Uh, was a Temple versus Penn State, the Battle of Pennsylvania. Now, tonight, or today, this afternoon, Penn State was honoring Joe Paterno. If you lived under the rock the last five years, Penn State, uh, also known as a pedal state, has had the assistant coach, Jerry Sandusky, who abused hundreds of young boys and gals, you know, and and got away with it for 30 40 years and Joe Paterno the head coach knew about the uh Sandusky's god awful act in, in 1976 and he didn't do anything until he fired him in like for good in 2002 and this is a this is as as football legend as he was he turned a blind eye on such an heinous crime you know, lasting over three decades. I almost three decades or more. I don't fucking know. How could you honor this man again? Is he such a cult of personality that like you can't let it go, Penn State? And to be honest, yeah, Penn State. No one knows what the fuck Penn State is if it weren't for that program. But you know what? If I were an alumnus of that school, I don't want to be associated with that at all. You know, when that whole scandal came out in 2010, 2011, you know, people were, like, ripping up. You know, one guy was burning his diploma and stuff, and I, I would have probably done that, too. I'm, I'm ashamed to, I would have been ashamed to, you know, hold a credential from an institution that allows such heinous crimes and just turns eye on it. It's, and like Bill Maher and other people said, it's this, it is like Roman Catholic Church. You know, and then their abuse cases, and you know, there there were some. There was one guy who had a sign, "You have forgotten already." Have you forgotten already? One protester wearing white, from Penn State, and everybody had this like "Thank you, Jopa" and all that. And Temple fans try to, you know, have a sign that protested against too. But the security at the Happy Valley today try to take that sign away from Temple fans, and <laughs> you know, it's ironic that. Temple's a school that was protesting against this given that Temple is the, also the school where Bill Cosby came from. That's his. <laughs> That's his alma mater. So, uh, you know, uh, at least it's not an institutional failure there. That's more of a personal and systematic. Uh, systematic. I don't know. Everybody was struck probably. But anyways, back to the serious point. Uh, I, I don't understand why Penn State is doing this. And now Jay Paterno, Joe's son, you know, is trying to bring back the <sighs> Joe's statue and all that. And I 
I don't get it. I I think it's gonna take if the generations behind in Penn State community looks at this later when we'll regret this. It's how how do you I I can't make sense of this, and I I ought to be ashamed as a Big Ten you know school alumnus. You know, why Why doesn't the conference say anything about it? Why doesn't NCAA say anything about it? And NCAA gave a four-year ban, but they, li- you know, they quietly unbanned Penn State from bowl eligibility two years into that suspension. They don't, they don't want a death sentence like SMU. But SMU was completely, you know, recruiting violation, not a criminal violation. But... <sighs> It just it just makes me mad watching people cheering for that and you know thinking football comes ahead of 120 130 kids you know they were abused by the men and then the and then the people in authority who turned their eyes you know it it just sickens me and I I hope I'm not the only one who feels this way and speak out against it you know Ah. Oh, you know, I, I'm going to leave it there. I'm just going to be like wordless, speechless anyway. Another, uh, speaking of sexual assault, uh, <laughs> what a transition. Uh, Rice versus Baylor. Baylor destroyed Rice uh, on Friday night. And then uh, Rice did the, uh, when Rice band came out and mocked Baylor in their halftime show, they did the X1 or 1X, which is 9, which means Title 9 for all the sexual assault. You know, stuff that's going on on campuses, especially with Baylor in their cases the last offseason. I thought that was a pretty fun jab at them. But, you know, is Rice the cleanest school? I don't fucking know, but they're not good at football. So good for them. Good for them for bringing the issue to the spotlight once again. And Baylor fan, one Baylor fan was angry and confronted the band. And I'm like, is he one of those boosters who have no moral stand whatsoever? And just like, is like, football is life. One of those. I mean, that's not a Texas accent, but you know, is that one of those people? Yeah, fuck that guy, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah. Well, that that that's uh, happening in college football. It was very very interesting. I had to watch all that, you know, cleaning house and all, and then just leave the TV on and just sit and watch. And a Colorado Michigan game that was a uh, very interesting. I I didn't I didn't think I would uh, see a very competitive matchup between two schools. I I hope Michigan plays at Folsom Field. I know that wasn't the agreement they had with Michigan and Colorado, but I know they did the home and home with the Washington Huskies for 2019 and 2020 or 2020 and 2021. I'm going to go to that if I'm still here. Uh but they they should do that. Michigan Colorado have some history going back, you know, with their assistance and all that. I I really really want to see the home and home with the buffaloes and the wolverines it's going to be fun i want to see the ralphie run on the field and in, in ann arbor you know it would be fun they, i don't think they brought ralphie today because it was a one time and tom brady was out there uh you know he's serving his suspension so he threw he played catch with the uh, jim harbaugh up there uh, what the hell's what the hell's tom doing over here i thought it was a new york fashion week supporting his wife but eh, i guess not and you know people are excited about jim harbaugh throwing catch with Tom Brady, I, I, that when I saw that, I, I felt excited. But it's like watching Arnold Schwarzenegger in Predator, with uh, what's his face, the Apollo Creed handshake, you know, Carl Weathers, that's the actor's name. It was like Dylan, you son of a bitch, and then did that manly handshake, you know. I, I thought that's what that moment was when Jim Harbaugh and Tom Brady were throwing football at each other. Anyways, so 
that was a college football. And uh, hopefully the next week, a lot of conference uh, plays their games are going to begin. Uh, it's going to be exciting. I hope Michigan kills Penn State for what they did today. God, they, they did that awful program in school. Shaking my head and grinding my teeth here. So, uh, oh, before getting to the Blue Jays and the baseball for the Toronto fans out there, uh, I want to talk about a little bit about the uh, Seattle Seahawks because I want to make fun of them. Um, well, okay, I'm I'm a Colts fan, so I have no obligation or whatever to the Seahawks, but because I live here, I got to watch this junk. I cannot take 12th men and all that, which, by the way, Texas A&M owns the rights to, not... Seattle and all the other NFL teams gave up using the term 12th man like Buffalo Bills, Colts, Broncos, but Seahawks kept it. And then I one thing I hate about sports is when people use a pronoun, fans use a pronoun we. I don't. I even Michigan, Colorado, Toronto, Blue Jays, Leafs, Raptors, Colts. I don't say we. I Okay, if you're in school, yeah, you could associate yourself with the school, but I'm not the one playing out there, right? I'm not the one. I'm not the general manager. I'm not the vice president of baseball operations. And I, I, I really hate that moniker. I hate that attitude about we got to do this. It's like, what the f- You only pay and watch a bitch about it like I'm doing right now. How can you say we? I, I don't understand. And... The greatest example of people turning on the term we was when, you know, that Super Bowl 43. No, 44. Was it 44? 49. I can't remember the number. Shit. 49. Super Bowl 49. Seahawks against the Patriots. When Russell Wilson throw that pass and then the um, it was like Malcolm Butler intercepted. Where was we there? Everybody was like, we ran the ball well. We played it. We came back. And after all that, as soon as Russell Wilson threw that, when I was at a Super Bowl party, I was like, dead silence. Followed by one guy yelling, why did he do that? All of a sudden, it's a he. Where the hell was this we and this collective soul and mentality that, that, that was there for two and a half, three hours leading up to this, huh? I have, what a bunch of asshats here. Anyways, and then... What 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 happens when the one of the Seahawks commit a heinous crime? Is that a we then? Where's the twelfth man there? Is there twelfth man in the court when Frank Clark is on the court for beating up his girlfriend? God damn, he's a Michigan alum too. But you know what? He got kicked off the team, so good for them. But Seattle drafted him, Frank Clark, in the first round or is the second round early. And they're like, ah, you know, we don't want no wife beaters on our team, John Schneider. And then they drafted him, the very first pick last year. Where's the we on that? Yeah, the, we made a wrong choice. Did anyone say that? We don't stand for this? Do fans say that? No? Fuck Seattle Seahawks and 12th, man. Fuck that shit. And it's a fucking stupid carrying that. Number 12 is... Number 12 is retired to the fans in this, in this fucking team. And I'm like... If Andrew Luck or Aaron Rodgers becomes your quarterback, you're not going to give number 12 to them? Or even Tom Brady comes, you're not going to give number 12... Are you kidding me? Everybody puts their fucking last name on the back with the, 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 the number 12 on it or number 12 fan jersey. Why the fuck would you pay for that? I, they're fucking stupid. And then they cheated to get that noise when Paul Island built that stadium. It was like to, to get the acoustic as best in as possible. At least the Colts cheat by speak, you know, 
you know, playing the crowd noise through the speakers. But man, this thing just like is built so that it would accrue the fucking noise around the stadium. So that's about the Seahawks fans and the Seahawks mantra about 12th man and all that in general. I hate that. Man. And then the we as sports fans. I don't fucking do that. I'm not the one paying for this. I mean, I'm not the one making decisions. I'm paying for it, but I'm not the one making decisions. I'm not the one going out there fucking up. I'm not the one going out there getting paralyzed. I'm not the one going out there beating up wives or fucking taking roids. It's not we, man. Come on. We. Please. Oh, and then the one thing I forgot to mention about this Kaepernick thing. It's not a Kaepernick thing, but kind of related. So Seahawks, they said they're going to have a team-wide protest. And everyone was like wondering what the fuck's going to happen. What the fuck's going to happen? They ended up just locking arms and then say, we just wanted to show unity. Jezebel had an article on this. They, that, what the fuck did that protest mean? Was that even a protest? Nothing. It is just politically correct bullshit thing they did out there you know we want to show that we were a team just go out there and play like a team instead of fucking holding arms jesus christ that was a shitty offense what was the point of locking the arm showing unity you you all suck evenly there was a high school in this area that did the better protest than the fucking seahawks did they turned the back and took the knee during the anthem god seahawks man this just and then the fucking Russell Wilson thing. And I'm like, you know, when, you know, they, 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 they you know, God, Russell, I can't take him. God, he's like Tim Tebow with better skills and bigger hands. And uh, I guess a banging wife. Tebow doesn't want a wife because no girl wants to fuck him. Or the, the Tebow won't fuck the girl until they were married, but wants to marry that guy. He doesn't have a job. At least Wilson has a job and a fucking $64 million is guaranteed. The whole offseason for the Seahawks was about, is Russell Wilson going to lose his virginity the second time? God, they, they didn't fix the offensive line. They didn't, they didn't get anybody. And they looked like a mediocre team against the Dolphins. And Dolphins were a little surprising, but I think it's more the Seahawks choking after interlocking their arms and thinking they're protesting. None of them said anything. I'm very disappointed. Michael Bennett, Richard Sherman, they're great speakers and intelligent minds of the NFL. One of the few. Yet they didn't speak out against this whole... I mean, I guess they did, but I didn't... It did. It wasn't at a Kaepernick level. Or Megan Rapioni even. <sighs> Anyways, I don't want to... I, I can't take the Seahawks seriously. I, I just can't. I mean, Seattle, good for the community. And it sucks because the Supersonics aren't here. So this is the only fall-winter sport that's here. And then there's not going to be an NHL team until the N NBA team comes back, but... Fuck it. I don't want an NBA team here. If I were a Supersonics fan, I don't want an NBA here given what how NBA treated this thing. You know? And I want I don't want the Sonics until I get the entire Thunder back with Westbrook and Durant. That's what NBA owes Seattle, okay? If I were a Supersonics fan. I was shocked. I wasn't even in Seattle, but I was shocked that like fucking Sonics moved. I was like, how the fuck did that happen? You know, fucking that whole if you want to go watch that the death of supersonics go find it on youtube there's a free documentary out there very interesting how the local government state government fail with their f stupid fundraising effort you know blah 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 anyways oh my god i killed so much time on just bashing on seattle but so that gets to the last sports topic i want to talk about which is the toronto blue jays my baseball team if you're not a baseball f if you're not a blue jays fan or not interested in al east race at all you can just skip it 
make sure you subscribe on Stitcher, the AA show, Alex Anthopoulos show. Um, it's there every Wednesday. Anyway, so the Toronto Blue Jays have not made the playoffs until last year for 23 years, 22 years. I can't do my math. 22 years. And they did in a style, in a bang. I'm not going to go over that. So the expectations are really high coming in this season. Now, some people are disappointed that they didn't, you know, re-sign certain high-profile prospect, uh, you know, free agents and whatnot, like David Price. I wasn't, you know, I, I wouldn't have spent that, what was it, $32 million a season, $30 million on a guy. Instead, they spent $13 million each per year on two pitchers, Marco Estrada and J.A. Happ. J.A. Happ. J.A. or J.A. Happ? They call him J.A. Happ. Anyways. That was a smart investment and combined $26 million for the next three years. So $39.39, so total would be $58 million over the three years. And they're more, they have been more reliable pitchers, although Estrada's hurt. Happ is going for 20th win when he get, comes over here in Seattle next Tuesday. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, by the way, I'm going to go catch all three games, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And Wednesday, I don't know how it's going to Wednesday is the afternoon game. Nobody takes off middle of September off these days anyway. Everybody took summer off. So I, I'm trying to figure this shit out. Who I bought two tickets, but I don't know how I'm going to find the second person. I couldn't just find one ticket. I had to go buy a fucking pair. Anyways, the team was doing well, you know, and then it's a, it's a home run hitting offense. So it's a very entertaining team now, but it's a very one-dimensional team. Home run, it's a home run or die team. It's it doesn't go for singles or doubles too often. I mean, it will get on base by walking and whatnot, but it, everybody's a pull hitter. Nobody hits to the other side of the field, you know? And I and then the pitching was decent, but, you know, it always needs a run, run support as always. And then it's not like there's an ace in the staff who can just, like, be the gap stopper like Roy Holiday was or something or Randy Johnson. And... This team has been scuffling the last three weeks in a bad way. They got swept by the Yankees last week, early in the week. And Yankees are playing with everything. Jays, nothing went for them. They play the Red Sox and should have been swept, in my opinion, but won one game. But they were averaging like two runs a game, 2.3 or something. And they were allowing, I don't know, four or five runs at a time and it wasn't good it wasn't good and tampa bay the last place in the division just beat them in the series two to one and they could have been swept in that one too and they're playing the anaheim angels right now or the los angeles angels of anaheim that's too fucking long um who's the probably the last place team in american league right now and they won the last two games uh pretty handedly but tonight they lost six to one and the patterns of shitty baseball and shitty plate approach and untimely bad pitching has come to full display again tonight i probably wasn't gonna mention the blue jays until this happened so i some a lot of fans are go. why don't they start bunting? Why don't they just uh, bench this guy or that guy? You're not going to bench anybody at this stage of the season. You got two weeks left in the 162-game season. We're like 145 games through, okay? And you're not going to tell these experienced hitters, the Blue Jays are the oldest team in the whole fucking league by average age, okay? 
You're not going to tell these guys to start making hitting adjustments, you know, from the batting coach or something. That's not going to happen. These guys are seasoned professionals. At the same time, every Blue Jays opponent pitching has the same approach to all these hitters. To Donaldson, Encarnacion, Batista, Tulowitzki, Martin. Which is pitch away, pitch away. Nibble around outside the plate, away from the hitter. And I'll be honest, the umpire crew in Anaheim has a pretty skewed strike zone where it's outside the plate a lot. Where the, It should have been a ball, but it's a fucking strike, which I don't understand. Three games in a row, I see this. I, feel, I see a lot of strikes that are outside that, been, that are usually a ball, but called a strike. But that's where the pitchers are aiming anyway. Why don't they, you know, crowd the plate more? Or, you know, I guess they're trying. I've seen Edwin trying to hit the ball the other way. And only two people that are hitting consistently in this lineup are Devin Travis, the leadoff hitter, the second baseman, the sophomore, and Troy Chulowitzki, the shortstop, who's hitting fifth, no, sixth in the lineup. And Jose Batista has been shit. I don't think he's going to come back. I wouldn't even give him a qualifying offer because he's just going to accept it. How much is going to be? I don't fucking know. It's probably like 16, 17 million. I would spend that money elsewhere. And I, I really think I had this conversation with a friend just before uh, recording this. I think Jose Batista's done. Or at least for this season. Like He's not going to get a three-year contract. If he gets a three-year, that's a fucking miracle. He's a 36-year-old player. Edwin is 33, and he's going to get a five-year deal from Boston Red Sox for like $27 million at least. I wouldn't spend that money. If I were Blue Jays, I wouldn't even go even close. Just go get Joey Votto. Joey Votto's 32 with five years with $20 million, $25 million the next five seasons, each season. And then you're like, oh, buddy, they're going to want prospect. Nobody wants fucking Joey Votto's contract. And who, who has the prospect... And then the Cincinnati Reds aren't exactly in the position to, you know, get prospects, in my opinion. I think they're mo- more in unload mode. They got a lot of bad contracts, though. but the worst one is Joey Votto's. And Joey Votto's 32. Encarnacion is 33. Now, I'm jumping the gun here, you know, looking at the offseason already, because I don't think any of those guys are coming back. Edwin Encarnacion, Jose Batista, and Michael Saunders. Saunders has been shit the second half. So, I wouldn't sign him anyway. But, goddamn, this team's approach hasn't changed. And Donaldson's hurt. Estrada's hurt. Batista has been hurting. Edwin, I guess, hits and doesn't hit. It was fucking painful when I saw the Tampa, Tampa game on Wednesday or Tuesday. You know, bases loaded, two outs, bottom of the eighth. And he just struck out. Ah. Uh, you know, when you see stuff like this, you know, it's bad things happening at the same bad time, you know, because the Blue Jays really haven't had bad streak, you know, until now. God, it just, it just disheartens you. It reminds me of the Oakland Athletics from two seasons ago. Was it 2014? Three seasons ago? Two, two seasons ago when they were leading the division by quite a bit and they, they started getting like John Lester, Jeff Samalja and all these guys. But then as soon as they did that and they traded Jonas Cespedes, they lost their entire offense and they started choking away and they barely made it into the playoffs as a second wildcard spot. And Kansas City came back and beat them in 10th, 11th inning. That's what the Blue Jays look like right now. If they make the playoffs 
in this pace, they're gonna look. They're gonna be the second wild card spot. But although right now they're in the first wild card spot. But my argument also is that I think the Blue Jays cannot go in as a middling division champion, because the best team in the league right now is the Texas Rangers. Because I, you gotta be either be the best team in the league, or that hungry team in the wild card with swagger going in. So be like the Kansas City Royals in 2014. I wouldn't mind that position. I want to see this team play with desperation and more anger. Like tomorrow's the last day. I know they're trying to do that, but when I when I see their approach that hasn't changed for three fucking weeks, they're not playing like the team that's like looking at the end of the road. So, yeah, I I think there's two weeks left in the season. And the, they're going to come here to Seattle and play the Mariners, who are also in the hunt, a hungry fucking team who haven't made the playoffs in 15 years. They're four, they're four games back right now, or three games back on the wild card, the second spot. They won eight in a row just to be that close. And Houston beat them twice the last two nights. Houston is also three games back on the second wild card spot. And it doesn't look good for the Mariners. So when the, when the Blue Jays come here, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Mariners are going to be angry as fuck, and they lined up their pitching. Their Taiwan Walker Monday, Iwakuma Tuesday, Felix Wednesday. So they lined it up, so they were expecting the Blue Jays and go at them. And I hope the Blue Jays, you know, win handedly tomorrow against the Angels, you know, just three out of four, great. If the Blue Jays win one out of three here, I would be very surprised. They haven't performed well here, except for three years ago when they swept them when Mariners were just hapless assholes. And they got swept in 2014. I didn't go to any of that series. I was out, and then I went last year, 2015. They, that was before all the big trades happened, just before all the big trades happened. And then I went to all three games. They lost, uh, they lost Friday and Sunday, the only days I was drunk. One day I was sober Saturday. They won. So... My God, I don't know how I'm going to watch this team three days in a row. Because because of that superstition, I'm not going to be drinking Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at the baseball games. Otherwise, the Jays are going to lose. But I don't know how I'm going to watch them sober. It's fucking painful to just watch them on TV right now. You have no idea how many times I yelled at the fucking TV the last two weeks. Just in frustration. And tonight... I just saw that too. Francis- Francisco Liriano looked good in the beginning, but they couldn't execute. Three innings in a row, Blue Jays had the leadoff single to get a runner on, and they couldn't bring that guy in. What the fuck? Uh, they're playing shitty right now, and you know what? It gives a better excuse for them to get rid of all the f- pending free agents, and that's okay too, because I think this, I think this lineup had kind of reached its point. When they played Kansas City last season, Tom Verducci said that, you know, like, what, wh- how did the Kansas City pitching shut this Putin Blue Jays offense down? Oh, good old scouting. And, you know, they're, they're, they're right. They, they, they got them. They, they threw right pitches at the right time and in the right situations. And they out scouted and outsmarted the Jays in that aspect and strategy portion. That wasn't on any element of surprise, and they just like you gotta execute. And same for the Anaheim Angels. The last two games, the reason they they just got killed is they couldn't execute. But Angels couldn't execute all fucking season. And tonight, Ricky Nolasco somehow executed, even though he gave up three, three straight first you know leadoff hits. 
but he came back and did fine. You know, they made double plays and, you know, did all the things. They just executed as they, as they were instructed to do. So I'm worried about the Blue Jays. I, I really, really am. And you know what? At least it's going to make Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday games very meaningful. And that's better than like, ah, it's meaningless. The Mariners suck. And then the Blue Jays are going to walk, run all over them. But at least it's going to be a competitive series. I, I really hope a lot of Mariners com- fans come out too. Because I know there are a lot of Canadian fans going to come down here from British Columbia and Alberta. And if you saw the Anaheim Jays game tonight, my God, how many J- Toronto fans were there? It was ridiculous. So if that many fans are in Southern California, how many are going to be up here? It's going to be virtually a home game for the Blue Jays. I, I, I'm really excited. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I, I'm going to be. I'm going to be losing my shit, you know, like Monday. Three, I'm going to be at a 300 level way on the top. Tuesday, I'm in the club seat 200 level. And then last game, the matinee, I'm at the 100 level. I'm going to see Aaron Sanchez close up against Felix, you know. <sighs> I, I'm excited and scared at the same time. I think it's going to be a great series. And hopefully, I think the Jays will still be in this a week from now. And, you know, then, then the rest of the way, they're going to play, who was it? Are they are playing the Orioles, Yankees, and the Red Sox. I think that's the last three series they have left. Uh, so, you know, I I just hope that they play with, I, I, I think they're at the rock bottom. And I, I don't have to say it. They're all adults, right? But I think at this point, the best thing to do is go in as a first wild card spot or have a one game playoff and play with, you know, there's no tomorrow mentality. I, I would really, you know what, I want to see a team that do that and then see how they do. And I think that will show what this team and the core of this team would be about because I know many of the hefty core of that team is not going to come back next season. So, and then there's a lot of holes on this team. And, the, you know, let's see how it goes. I, I'm very excited. Anyways, uh, that's the that's the off-sode sports edition of the uh, AA show. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Google Play Store, uh, Google Play Music. I'm on all the... We are, this show's on all those platforms now. Just search for AA show. This is a show with a thumbs-up icon. I don't know what category this is under. I think it's in news and politics in iTunes, but also, like, entertainment and... Uh, SoundCloud or all that. So, am I gonna have a Twitter handle? I don't know. Leave comments any of any of those feedback and uh, any of those platforms, and you know, email me. I think there's an email on SoundCloud. Oh, it's SoundCloud URL is very simple. SoundCloud.com/slash/aa-show. Uh, yeah. Thank you for listening. And then, uh, Blue Jays fans, don't panic out there. College football fans, you know, watch with your consciousness and ethics you know <laughs> and yeah that's it and uh i'm gonna be back next wednesday night after the j series ends and i'm also gonna go see neil degrasse tyson that night so that's gonna be an awesome wednesday and then uh maybe i'll talk about physics or something i don't know astrophysics that's the exact term so all right take it easy bye-bye